Hello, baby. You're listening to My Perfect Playlist with me, Mark Nelson. Hello and welcome to My Perfect Playlist. This is a podcast where I ask very interesting people to compile a playlist based on certain categories, moments and memories from their lives. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is episode two. Thank you to everyone who has got in touch to say how much they enjoyed episode one. If you downloaded it and you listened to it, uh, cheers. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate it even more. If you have left us a five-star review, um, I'm so delighted that people have enjoyed it. Um, really, really enjoying making it. Uh, episode two is an absolute cracker. My guest, my guest this week is a stand-up comedian, Milo McCabe, uh, who's one of my my good pals. Now, Milo is a is a character comedian. His most famous character is a guy called Troy Hawk, who is basically a kind of David Niven movie star idol from the 30s um, and it's one of the most fleshed out hilarious characters that I've ever seen on stage it really really is good and Milo does know his music as well we didn't get to chat well we did get a chance to talk about this however you won't hear it and I'll explain why you won't hear it in a minute. Uh, Milo uh, used to play drums. He's a drummer. He used to play drums for uh, Tim Booth from James. So he knows his music, Milo, and his picks are very, very, very good. Um, he's also a very funny man. Um, he's also he's probably the most handsome man that I know. Like, like actual kind of matinee movie star good looks. So I'm delighted that you'll only get to hear him on a podcast and not get to see how good looking the man actually is. The reason you won't hear and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to face up, the reason that you won't hear us talking about Milo's time playing with Tim Booth from James is because I massively messed up the recording and I didn't realise and, and this genuinely makes it genuinely makes me sound like the kind of shit that your gran would tell you. I didn't realise when you were recording that you had to save it as you went. And uh, my Wi-Fi dropped. So we basically lost the first half an hour of conversation. But it, I mean, it was great stuff as well. It was great stuff and I didn't want to lose it. So what I, what we did was we recorded it again a couple of days later. And it still is funny. If anything, it's actually funnier. So that, that just to let you know, just in case you're thinking it's a wee bit off. But uh, it's a cracking episode. Enjoy. Milo, how are you doing? I'm good. How are good. you? I'm not bad. Uh, this just to take you. You sound uh, randy and full of beans. I'm good today. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to take uh, the listeners uh, behind the behind the curtain of showbiz. Uh, this is our second go at the intro because uh, my Wi-Fi the other day. I've now got it connected to the Ethernet. I've been reading about all this matrixy type shit because uh, the other day the Wi-Fi just cut out and I didn't realise you had to save it as you go, so we lost the first bit. So we're doing he it started again. smacking himself in the head, screaming, <laughs> all of his inner pain, just waiting for this tiny little catalyst of a tech fuck up to come pouring out in a tsunami of self hatred. 
It's plus net, honest to God. <laughs> pieces of shit. Um, so yeah, um, we missed we missed the whole intro chat before, but I think I mean we won't go over it again. But I think what you were saying was that you don't think COVID's real. And ah. I'm quite glad that a lot of folk died. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I I did find today, which which made me grimace and smile at the same time, is with my character that i do troy hawk mm-hmm. i do these scrabble based conspiracy theories where i calculate the value of something it's scrabble value and then attribute it to like a sinister number and like no shit this morning i was reading about these anti-vaxxers who had these um pictures of bill gates with a cross through it with a syringe and i ran <laughs> bill I, i'm not joking i ran bill gates cure through my head and guess right. what it's worth it's, it's, it's got sexies in it it's all sixes dude. it's all sexies yeah it's six 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 bill no. gates kill and i'm like oh man people are going to be sick of hearing about covid but i can't really let that's that amazing one bill gates is bill gates is on the on the cusp of being in big, big epstein yeah. yeah yeah but 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 you know there will there will be one person probably who got on that plane who didn't have a fucking scooby do you know yeah. what I mean? Just, <laughs> Suddenly yeah, they're just, surrounded by illegal shit. And they're just yeah. like, oh, give me a fuck. What yeah, am I doing? Just, just, Do you know wanted, what I mean? just wanted a lift. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly yeah. they get on the plane <laughs> and go, what the fuck is this in-service entertainment about? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have you ever seen that photo? Um, and I, I'm fairly certain it's a doctored photo, but it is still an amazing. There's a photo of um, Donald Trump and Michael Jackson on one of Trump's flights. And they're sitting... Uh, and they're shaking hands, and then about two rows back, Osama bin Laden sitting there. Oh, you reckon that's doctored? <laughs> but in my mind, you I reckon that might have been photoshopped? Was Gary mind, Glitter flying the plane? I hope, I hope it was like a stag do, and that was on that was a that was an, it was an easy jet flight to Magaluf, and that was the <laughs> most the most off the hook weekend ever with those three just going at it. Imagine Osama bin Laden on a stag do. Imagine if some evil spirit approached Osama and said, listen, Osama, you can have world domination, right? You can have everything you want, all your plans, but you've got to meet this group of six lads from Newcastle and go to Malaga for a week and absolutely get stuck in with 100% commitment. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, the lads going, who's getting stoned? I bet fucking Osama's up for it. And he's just got to take it. He's not getting any of the in-jokes. Alcohol. <laughs> Alcohol isn't agreeing with his system. Well, he's just like, I in the end point. Before we go into uh, uh, the first two tracks uh, that we're doing again, um, we were talking, because I think it is, it's quite interesting, um, we were talking before we started recording about uh, Dragon Soup, which is <laughs> yeah, brought up uh, in a WhatsApp group this morning. So I thought, I knew of Dragon Soup because it's a huge popular drink with teenagers in Scotland. And I thought it was just a men- like a level up from Red Bull and Monster. I thought it was a mental caffeine drink. But apparently each can contains the same amount of alcohol as two pints. It's like the moral bankruptcy of, of a team of designers or whatever, just going, Let, let's make this absolutely lethal, mm-hmm. high alcohol, high caffeine party drink, market it to teenagers who, you know, if they drink it a lot, will develop alcohol tolerance and they'll get like caffeine crashes and it will send them absolutely loopy. And yeah, yeah and let's put loads of colours over it and market it like vape juice. Yeah. At and a certain it's... point, how do you do that and live with yourself? Like, I mean, you know, on the spectrum of crimes, we started off at Osama Bin Laden, so it's sort of kind of like not really the same league. But do you know what no, I mean? I mean it's, it's got to eat away at you unless you're yeah. a sociopath. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. It's not just in the same league. I don't think it's even in the same sport. Like, it's not. You kind of go and like. <laughs> it's Sunday five aside, isn't it? <laughs> providing an alcoholic blueberry flavored drink isn't really the same as killing. Yeah, over a genocide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't really put it in the same ballpark. <laughs> uh, let's do uh, your your opening track for your playlist. Uh, you, it was Gasolina by Daddy Yankee. It's like I like I, I haven't got a clue what any of the words are, but the um, the whole track's just got this energy that sort of grips you right from the outset. Mm-hmm. Like you know, some songs that just sort of grab you and, and get you ready to fight. You know, and <laughs> fight me if you've had a dragon soup and you listen to this song for the first time. Like there's yeah. another one as well by uh, oh, what is it? Fuck, Forrest Griffin, the UFC fighter, used to come up come out to it for his fights. The um, I'm not selling what, it. An Irish folk song? No, it's like an Irish folk song, but it's it's like a rock song at the same oh, time. Is it, what um, fucking song am I thinking of? It's uh, shipping up to Boston. That's the one. By, yeah, uh, well done. Dropkick well, Murphys. Yeah, well done for getting that from. I know, and when you said it was an Irish folk, I was like, I know exactly what you're thinking of because yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's what Matt Reed picked as his song that he would come out as a boxer too because it's i mean it's a belter yeah it's it is a belter no but that's yeah that's that song basically it's that it's, it's got that vibe where you 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 hear the first 10 seconds and you kind of know how it goes it's got a, a really nice chorus that ramps mm. up and uh yeah it's, it's um back when i used to dance it's good to dance to i don't dance i don't dance anymore no it's nice <laughs> it's a nice sleazy song yeah, like a sleep. Why do you not dance anymore? We because well, I don't go to clubs anymore because I got two kids. Like, I occasionally when I'm working out on my own in my gym, I'll mm. I'll have a I'll have a little pop around. But even then, I remember a couple of like I I used to dance. <laughs> this is so. When I, I remember a couple of years ago, like play playing music when working out, and I'd, I'd sort of have a little dance to myself, and then I just slowly just for whatever reason just stopped and then after a while i was like oh like i i, I don't really dance anymore let's have another crack at that oh yeah my body isn't quite working in the same way how have i how have i lost rhythm is that something like when you get older your your nose gets bigger your ears gets bigger and your capacity for rhythm and understanding of it starts to slowly decrease like why yeah. does that fucking happen i know i know i know I know. I like Are you that. a dancer? I've only seen you like nah. shuffle about like in yeah. a Stone Roses moody looking way on a terrible, dance Terrible, terrible dancer. Like no, yeah. no clue whatsoever. Like um, the uh, when we, when I was a fantastic to... fucking dancer. Oh, I can imagine. I, can imagine, <laughs> I, was, like, yeah. I was a podium twat. Yeah, I can fully imagine when we yeah. went uh, when we went for lessons yeah. uh, for our wedding, and we only went to two because the guy that was teaching us was an absolute prick. And what what was, kind of what kind of prick was he? Just like. How, properly like because it's obvious he's offering these lessons to people that aren't dancers uh, but he seemed to expect too much of you and he started getting frustrated and mocking you when i wasn't Ah. doing stuff (laughs) 
And then at one point during the second lesson, he kind of turned to me and he went, I thought you said you were a musician. I was like, no, no, I didn't. At no point did I tell you I was a musician. I don't know what you're, ex- you're expecting me to come in here with a fucking rhythm of Ricky Martin, but I'm not. Uh, but it's, I guess he's on about a basic four count, isn't he? I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I, I give it to the guy. It wasn't the most technical steps he was giving us, but still, like you got to you got to cater for every. Never go on RuPaul's Drag Race. No, I don't. I, no, I don't think I'd. I don't think that was ever in the cards, to be honest. <laughs> I remember, I remember talking to you about RuPaul's Drag Race, and you were like, "I'll never watch that." And I said, "Why not?" And you said, "I find it too confusing." <laughs> yeah, it's such uh, a small statement. It told yeah. me so much. Uh, right, before we move on, uh, I oh, oh, you want to move on, dear? There's I a surprise. Uh, I realise you're on a, a strict timetable uh, yes. because uh, you need to get back uh, to working out in your own gym next week. Next week on Humble Brags with Mark Nelson. Jimmy this is Carter, why I hate. He's got his pilot. This is what I hate. This is what I hate about you, right? Because I'll get a dig in, and I thought, I ah, got one in a Nelson, and then there'll be this period of, hey, you know, and and I'll think it's over, but no, what's actually happening? The numpties in the back of your head are locking and loading shit for oh, the next gotcha. ten minutes. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a relentless like revenge assault. That's yeah. going to have me just feeling sorry for myself and wishing I'd never taken a jab at you in the first place. Yeah, yeah, you've taken out my my initial troops. I've sent out, however, the artillery in the back, <laughs> sitting there waiting to destroy you. <laughs> it's all fucking loaded, and you got my coordinates and everything. All right, bring <laughs> right. it on. Right, uh, next song is a song that reminds you of your childhood. Uh, yeah, and this is surprising. Uh, you've gone for uh, Joe Dolce. Shut up your face. What's the matter, you? Hey, God, no respect. What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's a not so bad. It's a nicer place. Ah, shut up your face. That's my mama. Can I remember a big accordion solo? Yes, like it was. A, I remember being a kid and. Um, just being amazed that there was a song telling you to shut up, that you could sing at other people and tell them to shut up by proxy and get away with it. Like I could look my mum or dad in the face and just say, what's the matter, you? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that is a part of the song. Gotta you no respect. It's, uh, yeah, like, um, did you know that kept um, Ultravox's Vienna off the number one spot? <laughs> and he's laughing because this is a fact he told me in yeah. the first aborted time that we tried it, to it record did. this conversation. Yeah. It did. yeah. Um, and we also discussed, and I actually thought about this afterwards, mm-hmm. whether or not that song actually made sort of life a, a, a bit more miserable for kind of Italian kids because mm-hmm. or or oh, whether yeah. that was something that you would embrace yeah. do you know what I mean because it's there's so many facets to it I remember talking to an Italian friend of mine and um I was like the mafia thing it's kind of cool isn't it? and he fucking exploded at me you know Stefano Paolini he's like oh, yeah. absolutely not getting tainted with this you know the crime and I was like shit dude that's like so ignorant of me because I'd never really thought about it like that yeah do you know what I mean um, and I, I, I get what you're saying, but yeah, he said it's just like a huge negative sort of stereotype that he was totally sick of. But were kids around that time? I don't know Italian kids around that time in a, in a wherever they were, yeah, whatever. Just, yeah, yeah, just getting that constantly yelled at them. It's like, probably probably by teachers, being yeah. that it was the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
God, imagine that as a teacher just yelling at the only Giovanni, shut up in your face. <laughs> the whole the whole classroom just exploded. Yeah. Kids yeah. high fiving the teacher yeah. going, Oh god. Fucking bald rubber twatting Giovanni square in the middle of their forehead. <laughs> Well, I forgot to ask you last time, but I was interested uh, when you were when you were a kid, because uh, you grew up, your dad's an entertainer as well. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, he's a com- comedian. Yeah. So when I was a kid, um, uh, dad was a comedian, and at the time, I was, I was, um, and and uh, yeah, I guess it is interesting because obviously we're we're both comedians who have kids, but at the time, I was so delighted that my dad had this unique job that no other dad had. I was yeah. really proud of it. I was like, yeah, my dad's a comedian. My dad's a comedian, and then, and the other, you know, like in. in whatever years up to about 12 that was just like oh cool but then you see you get to like 12 13 and 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 teenagers with being what they are it starts to turn doesn't it and and the thing that sort of makes you stand out is the thing that's used against you so people so what i'd always get is like oh you're not very funny your dad's supposed to be a comedian you're not and so and then and then i remember like when i was um 14 my dad uh basically nicked a jack d routine and did it on TV because uh, he hadn't really like planned ahead like that. And um, he used the old school comedy mentality, which was absolutely anything is up for grabs. The mm. only time it becomes a problem if you do somebody's entire set in the same order. <laughs> Literally, you could even do like two thirds of it in a different order and technically still be okay back in the yeah. old school comedy days. But my dad did this entire Jack D routine on ITV, like after Jack D had done it maybe six months before on channel four or something and there's um there was like it, it got in the in the papers and there was a big headline that's not funny mike and there was like a picture of my dad and and uh, it, I, I was in maths and i was sat in the front and i could just hear all this sort of giggling behind me eventually this fucking bit of newspaper got passed to me and my <laughs> honest to god my heart went through it do you know at that point when you go that's me for the next six months. Uh-huh, this uh-huh. this headline is what I'm going to hear on the playground for the next six months. And I went to a boys' grammar school as well, which is just it's just absolute. People were just the culture of piss taking and and, and all of that. I, I don't know if that's just boys' schools or schools in general or what, but it seemed harsher in my school. Yeah, so that was that was basically so it was, it was mixed blessings. I would say. Yeah, I, I suppose I've never because I um. Uh, my daughter, I went to their, like the day where they invite parents in to talk about their job. It was me and uh, another uh, mum, and she was a dentist. And she went, <laughs> Yes, I know, I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Use me as a. <laughs> <laughs> I was there as a warning. Uh, the uh, So she, she was doing well. She was passing out like a. Uh, all the kind of implements to be used and yeah. diagrams and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. uh, were I you would, nervous headlining? I was. I was quite nervous. Uh, I was nervous more of what my daughter would think. But then it was the honest to God, an absolute piece of piss because she just went out and I told told jokes and yeah. then I asked them if they knew any jokes and I took yeah. a microphone and I passed it round them and they would tell jokes. Yeah. And I thought it was amazing. And I, I see what you mean now because at that day. I genuinely thought my daughter was really proud and kind of going, my dad's got a cool job. Yeah. But then when it gets to 15 and they go, all right, <laughs> uh, my dad's away most weekends and we can't afford an extension. Uh, that's <laughs> when you kind of go, all right, yeah, I wish I wish my dad was the dentist. But no, it's, it's interesting. Uh, does your dad like your stuff? My dad has been like 
like a comedian. Like when I first got into it, he was sort of, I would say, suspicious. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't sort of overly supportive or anything. I think he was a bit like because he 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 was good, but his philosophy had always been you've got to be lucky. You've got to be so lucky as in mm-hmm. I'm I'm talented from his perspective. I had no idea he, he was Jamaican. <laughs> That's it. It's kind of like yeah, yeah, he is. He's he's a Jamaican <laughs> Irish comedian. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he used to nick Jim Davidson's chalky stuff. Um <laughs> <laughs> and do it on TV. Uh, no, the um, yeah, he was he his his philosophy on it. I think for self preservation had been because he'd he'd obviously see these guys who didn't do as well like yeah. as him in the clubs go on things like at the time all there was was like live at the Palladium or whatever. And yeah. he was he was on a couple of TV shows. He was on like the Fame Game. Uh, he was on Opportunity Knocks, um, which were sort of primitive versions of Britain's Got Talent yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And he he got a few little bits here and there, but he was also on the comedians as well. He'd kill me oh, if I yeah. didn't fucking mention that. And the second series, ninety two, but I think fundamentally his his idea was like you have to be lucky because in in his mind he was killing these gigs and 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 why the hell were these other people who didn't kill as hard as him on TV above him? And that was the that was his his sort of idea of it. And then obviously when everything started to change with the comedy store and alternative comedy, it kind of he didn't move with that. Do you know what I mean? He, he stayed with his sort of um, club gigs and working men's club gigs. And at the time, like they paid well, do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, I imagine. He'd go, I'd do 45 minutes. It'd, it'd get good money and it would be not bad money even for now, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd, he'd do a couple of those a week and, and, and make a good living. And, but, but I think with his philosophy is, is he always felt like he should have been at a higher level. It was a typical comedian thing. Yeah. So when I, when I started, he was dubious. And and talking to my dad about gigs, and it's kind of a blessing and a curse in a way. But talking to my dad about gigs has has prepared me for talking to comedians about gigs from an early because he's always been like a comedian. Like he never yeah. wants to hear about good gigs, yeah, ever. Of course. He only, you know, even though it's his son, he only wants to hear about the deaths. And what he would do at the beginning when I was all enthusiastic, I was like, oh, oh I've got um, I've got a fifteen minute spot, and he'd be like, oh right, how much does that pay? Knowing that it would pay fucking less than 50 quid. And just these sort of vaguely passive-aggressive comedian type stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'd always, it always like depend. I'd be like, oh, I've got a gig for, what? Are, oh, how long are you doing? Knowing that it wouldn't be as long as he did. Or, do you know, it was that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, as as time's gone on, I think, uh, and he's, 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 funnily enough, every time he's come to see me, like the last couple of times he's been at Edinburgh shows. He's come on a day where everything's gone right. Do you know what I mean? He's come oh, on a good. day when I've had a good crowd and a great reception and yeah. everything like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So so he's 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 kinda like now that he's sort of not really gigging anymore, his perspective shifts is yeah. is shifted. And I'm not I'm not competition anymore. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's the thing, yeah. But I imagine yeah. even like for guys like that, um the kind of alternative comedy, the initial part of it must have been really frustrating because when you look back without rose-tinted spectacles, a lot of early alternative comedy was utter shit. Yeah. It really was utter, utter shit. And the the best stuff is still the best, but Mm. the crap... So for guys that were doing actual... And regardless of whether the the, the topic or the... uh, 
whether it was their stuff or not, they mm. were actual jokes. They were very well crafted yeah. jokes. So it must Definitely. have been incredibly frustrating to watch some tit go on at the comedy store with a fucking feather duster or a rubber rubber glove on his head and pretend yeah. to be chicken and go, What? Seriously? Wait. Like yeah, if you think about it, if everybody's got the same pool of material, the thing that puts you over the edge is performance. So the mm. people that are going to succeed are going to be the best performers. So yeah. these people will have honed their performance skills. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you can use anyone's jokes at that point. So the performance makes you rise and above. So they'll, they'll be hammering this performance and really that's their priority and that's the thing that works. And then they look at these alternative guys who, who relatively, in terms of sort of stereotypical comedian performance skills have none of that yeah none of the thing that they've honed and worked I, yeah you can see and there's still some old school comics on facebook now i think there's a guy called dave wolf who's still chin in the air sort of showing yeah. his clips from the 80s going this is how you do it you know what i mean but they're almost like for a lot of and even now um for a lot of like kind of experimental comedy it's almost completely reeling against performance skills. Like, yeah, totally. Just try to show how little performance skills you actually have. Yeah. That kind of anti-comedy type thing. Uh, moving on a couple of years, uh, when you were a teenager, you uh-huh. have uh, gone for a song that reminds you of being a teenager as a Saturday Night by Wigfield. Saturday Night Dancing like the way you move Pretty So I went on my first lad's holiday after my A-levels and on the first night we, we heard this song and saw these people like line dancing to it. And at the time, uh, this is like 94, well, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I was, I was just like, how does everyone know the moves? What's going on? And, and we all started jo- joining in. And then this song, obviously, like every time it played anywhere at the time, it had just come out, everyone would just get up dealing on that and they'd start sort of slapping their hands about and yeah that was like you you know your you your first sort of lads holiday abroad without your parents and i heard i heard this every night and then i remember when i came back i went to whatever the local club was a ritzy or something and that that this song came, it came back on at the club dealing on that and suddenly i was like right back in holiday i could smell the suntan lotion i could and and i'd never had a uh, a sort of an association with music like that mm-hmm. where it where it I'd, I'd unconsciously associated it with a place or whatever and i remember like being in this club just stopping and just going oh fuck wow i'm back on holiday again while this song's on just threw me completely back and it, it amazed me i'd never i'd never really listened to music like in great detail or that much yeah. But that was that that was the first time I got that sort of emotional resonance of what a song can do in terms of, you know, reminding you, being redolent of, of things. And then what was interesting is uh, in my naivety I thought, wow, it's gonna be that strong every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah. I literally within a week I was like, Oh yeah, that no, it's uh, that that fades, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Could you yeah. you reckon you could do the dance now? Of course. Yeah, you remember it, yeah? You, do you not know me at all? I'm trying, I'm trying to think what it was like, because I, I keep confusing it with a Macarena dance. It's it's almost identical. Oh, is it? Yeah. As far as memory serves, there's a couple of hip wiggles that are different, and there's a 
But there's a uh, there's still like a turn and a fucking something. I'm sure there is. I think it's I think it's like a slightly more basic version of the Macarena. Do you remember the video? Yeah, I remember the video. Like Wigfield had uh, braids, didn't she? She had what braids? Yeah, she had braids, and I remember yeah. she was like, she's kind of like she's girl next door, pretty, wasn't she? She yeah. was like an like a raging stunner because there was that weird moment from I would say late eighties to mid nineties where late eighties you had like Debbie Gibson doing a song and she was wearing a tracksuit. And then suddenly, over that year, couple of year periods, it started to get a lot racier and more sexualized, and yada yada yada. But yeah, it was all like like Kylie that year as well was sort of soft lambs will jump up, and do you know do you know what I mean? There was no it, it, it really sort of seemed to change over those years, and then and then Wigfield popped up, and I was like, oh well, she's not quite the hypersexualized sort of version of a female singer that I've suddenly become used to. What kind of teenager were you? Oh, God. What kind of teenager was I? An incredibly shy, self-conscious, sort of second-guessing one. I was a typical, like, not a clue about my own identity. And then I quickly segued from that to Mr. Friday Night Loud Guy, uh, Fun Bobby. Right, okay. Type persona, and and the interesting thing was, is like I was one guy at school, but then and everyone knew me in, in a certain way at school. But then I'd go and meet my friends from the other school, who I'd met at the local sports center. I'd become friendly with these lads, and they were like, okay, you know, come hang out. And I used to hang out with them every weekend. And it was like with those guys, I had a whole new start. So I could be like, right, well, what do I want to be? I want I want to be Captain Charisma. So let's have a shot at this. Do you know what I mean? And that and that works to an extent for a little while. Do you know when you're yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, that? Yeah. So, so really, what type of teenager was I? That completely depends who you're asking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that's surprising. Because you're like, you're a confident person. Is it really surprising no. knowing no. that you know that I do a, a character act and no, that, well, seem to have this like distinction straight down the middle of my persona that started there and literally never stopped up to the present day? Yeah, I think it's surprising because, like, when you're when you're a teenager and you're a teenage boy, pretty much girls and how you look is such a huge thing. And I can't ima- I can't imagine you were an ugly teenager. I had so what happened was is like before I had laser eye surgery, I was like a minus six point five and a minus seven in the other eye, so I was blind as fuck. So I had these big thick glasses, and then I got contacts when I was thirteen or fourteen. And it literally uh, changed everything. And again, there, there, there was this odd sort of almost like shock where I went from being a sort of bespectacled, you know, specky nuisance type Dungeons and Dragons type lad to somebody that, that girls were actually like, oh, oh, he's all right. Like, quite, you know, and I was, it, was so, it was a shock to me. I remember going out soon after I had my contact lenses um, put in and, and sort of girls noticing from me for the first time. And it yeah. was exhilarating. But it was terrifying at the same yeah. time. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. And I think, like, no, I was I was definitely an ugly duckling until I was about 13, 14, I'd say. And then you blossomed into a swan. Now, blossomed into a swan who's always been an ugly duckling at heart. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you can never get away from that sort of ungainly, bespectacled kid that you were, I don't think. Yeah, you can that's have true. as much front up as you like in the world, but I think there's always a, a part. You've, you've actually not had a dissimilar transition, though, because I've seen um, pictures of you when you were 14 and you were me. Oh, good God. Fucking horrific. <laughs> like, absolutely horrific. Like, proper. I mean, proper. Like, if you had to design a kid to kick the shit out of sign <laughs> me and and, and I, I now feel it as well we go we're getting older I've, I, I had I, I feel like I had a kind of sweet spot in like late 20s early 30s and then it's just regressing again now. So nah, the, I get fucked. Prime, you still, the you prime Paul, has passed. We were actually, we both had the honour of being in uh, Paul Sinner's top 10 hottest comedians list yes. in 2014, didn't we? Yes, genuinely, genuinely so happy about that. Right, a couple of quick ones now. Uh, Song that'll always get you dancing. You have gone for. Now, I didn't know this at all. You've gone for Girl Talk. Money on the dresser, drive a compressor. Top notch holes get the most, not the lesser. Trash like the fuck for $40 in the club. Fucking up the game, get your gifts, no love. She be cost country, giving all that she got. The dials on a popper, pulling pillars off the line. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so Girl Talk does these like one-hour tracks. He, he's done a couple of different styles. Like some of them are really intense and hard to get into, and some are just the most accessible tracks in the world. But he'll take like 160 songs and merge them and mesh them up, and pr- sort of have this one-hour mashup with with so many different genres and styles and everything like that. And it's it's fantastic. If you if you're gonna listen to it, there's a, one track which is an hour called All Day, and there's another one which I think is called Don't Feed the Animals. Yeah. And yeah, it's immediately like people a lot of the time people use it as intro music. As some promoters use it for comedy because the fact that the song changes every thirty seconds attunes your attention and gets yeah. you in the mood for listening. So subconsciously that will translate for when the actor on or whatever. But yeah, it's. Um, it, yeah, I, I loved it. I love, I, I love a good mashup song. Oh yeah, I love mashups. Like, because on the on the, the Spotify playlist that I made uh, for this, I've put uh, the the first like the first part of the the uh, don't feed the animals. Yeah. And like just the the samples that they use, like the, it starts off with like using uh, "Give Me Some Lovin'" by Spencer Davis. Yeah. And then it goes into like. We're not going to take it by Twisted Sister. Yeah. And then uh, nothing compares to you, but you need a corner, and you're just like, "This is fucking awesome, man." It, it, have you listened to the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's great, isn't it? The best. And that, was the, about... that was the first time you'd heard it. Yeah, yeah, totally, oh, totally first time I'd heard it. Uh, and the best bit about that is when when he's he's sampling the uh, Sinead O'Connor song, uh, the guy's rapping about being in a crack den and getting getting sucked off in a crack den and like the juxtaposition of it is incredible yeah happy accident <laughs> right next one walk on music this surprised me you've gone you went for anything by the Andrews sisters she's in the army now a blowing reveille he's the boogie woogie bugle boy of company B they made him blow a bugle for his uncle Sam it really brought him down because he couldn't jam the captain seemed to understand because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band and now so essentially that that requires a bit of context in that obviously the comedy character i do troy hawk has got a very sort of 30s vibe 
And so it would set the tone for that. And I did actually have that as my intro music before. But what I do now is I'm, I get, I get uh, friends of mine to make mashups of songs that relate to themes of the show right. before my show now. But yeah, it was the idea of, of something as walk-on music. I like the idea of something sort of completely left field. Yeah. Like when, when we did the Comedians Boxing, I don't know what you came on to, but I came on to I Am What I Am. Um, oh yeah, but, did but you? that wasn't chosen by me. I put that out for sponsorship. Oh, so you did. So you did. Yeah. yeah. And and but it actually really worked. It, yeah. I, I like I like those sort of little left turns. There's a there was a fighter called BJ Penn, who's a an MMA fighter who's retired now. But he came onto this really soothing sort of Hawaiian lullaby that, by context, was so so creepy, especially when he was like at the peak of his powers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just comes off like a horror film. Wow. Because he's he's so he was so devastating at the time, and then you've got this lovely lilting, soothing song, and it, it's really effective. So I like the idea of a mixed message sort of walkout song. I quite like that. See that? See that? Okay, I was listening to some Andrew's sister songs. I really like that whole kind of swing. I've got, I've nice, got quite an obsession with that kind of era. I don't know, I just think it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's it's it, it just kind of conjures up images. Yeah. Doesn't it? When you listen to that that kind of music, you get really definitive images of, of I don't know, like the way people were and, and the way they dressed and the way they behaved and yeah. you get you get a real strong sense of era from some music and I think that's for me, that's what that is. There was a song that Christina Aguilera released called Candyman. Mm. that was like like a, an homage to that yeah. i loved it i thought it was fucking amazing and yeah. like the video she's dressed up as like she's dressed up as a naval officer at one point and then she's like that kind of that kind of candy striper type deal going on yeah. I, I love it absolutely love it can i ask you about the character of troy um, yeah, just by how like what, what kind of led you to coming up with that character or um, for people that don't know as well, if you could describe what Troy Hawk is as a character. So <clears throat> it started off as a homeschooled 1930s sort of matinee idol type guy who's basically unleashed into society now, uh, who'd, ne- who'd never been out of the house before and sort of preserved in this time capsule by his mum. So that's how the character started. And as time's gone on, it's evolved into a sort of a vaguely conspiracy-obsessed, kind of over-processing, inquisitive sort of type guy who uses uh, Scrabble numeric values uh, to calculate uh, and prove whatever facts that I happen to want to calculate and prove. (laughs) In a nutshell. And why? So how did that come about like why because you've done i've seen you do because when we first met each other you were doing a different character yeah yeah so how does that cut like how do you is is there an inspiration in someone that leads you to be in that character it was it was the the road into it is really funny so like well not funny but just odd like i was doing a four character show in what year was it i think it was 2012 I was doing like a multi-character show and I needed a new character I needed I had a gap and I needed a character and my manager at the time said you don't do a posh character there aren't any good posh characters at the moment do a posh character right and so I started thinking posh character 
well, I want to put a spin on it. So I started like looking at videos, like old videos immediately, I thought maybe from a you know, different era. And I really got cap captured, uh, captivated by David Niven. So I started mm -hmm. watching all these interviews on Parkinson's that spanned like God knows how many decades and his manner and the way he held himself. And it's the same thing, like he, the way he talked, the way he moved, the, the sort of the, the type of charm that he had. Yeah. And I, I immediately sort of thought, right, I want a bit of that. I like that. I find that very um, engrossing to watch. And I think I could do something with that. So I, started, I sort of read his books and sort of went that way. And then I thought, okay, so there's a 30 guys. There's a guy from the 30s. How can I justify this character from the 30s? I don't want to be totally like, oh, hey, I'm from the 90s, 30s. And, and I want it to be something that's vaguely believable. So yeah. I'm going to construct this backstory whereby he's like this because he's never been outside. And he's got this sort of domineering maternal presence who's, who's like, you know, made him grow up to be exactly like the, the way his grandfather was or something. And it sort of just went from there, basically. Have you ever had anyone take it the wrong way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying that because I can imagine like some because it's not a really antagonistic character. Oh no, but I mean, like, like something I didn't realize until I was in that position is a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember, there was a guy called Inky Jones. Yeah. He was basically conning tourists out of like twenty pounds a ticket for this comedy show, which was an open spot he didn't pay, and him doing forty minutes of crowd work. Mm -hmm. And, and then people would pay like 20 quid. And this was at a point where comedy was sort of on its ass. It was on its ass for a bit around, I don't know, I can't remember why, like, the early part of uh, the last decade, around 11, 12. It was on its ass. And this guy was like raking it in, doing these dreadful shows. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to go to one of these shows, record it, and um, sort of put it on YouTube and show people what the experience was. When I was in the crowd, because he does 40 minutes of crowd work and there was 12 people, I was he he goes around and sort of takes the piss out of everyone. Now I'm I'm a comic, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I I know the deal. But when I was sitting there as an audience member, and he focused on me, and he immediately said, "Where are you from?" And I was like, "Sorry." So he's like, "All right, so you're going to be the 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 person that's going to receive all my posh jokes." Yeah. And I think it was because I could I knew the mechanics behind it. Like I was a bit like, "Ugh," but it was so uncomfortable sitting there as an audience <laughs> member and it really made me it was a real karmic thing i was like oh shit yeah obviously when you 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 highlight someone in this way you don't mean any harm you know and, and there's nothing offensive about it but yeah. fuck me it's uncomfortable being under that laser focus uh -huh. in this situation it's it's a tense feeling there's like a knot in my stomach and, and that's what i do if i can vaguely positive and not personal about any crowd work i do just so people don't get that yeah. People don't get that uncomfortable feeling because it's not only while it's happening, it's sitting there not knowing if it's going to come back to you in the next minute or two. Yeah, I think it comes It comes with, it definitely comes with experience that you, you learn how to interact with an audience and still make them feel comfortable, still make them feel part of it. There's a lot to be said for experienced compares because... Mm there is nothing worse than just alienating a certain member of the audience and making them the complete target of fun because there's, yeah. there's literally no point in that. Like yeah. The rest of the audience might absolutely love it, but you've ruined that person's night. Completely. And, and there will be scores of individuals down the years that you and I have absolutely <laughs> fucking, you know, through through one way or another, like, we, yeah, we, we, we will have made people feel that tense. And I yeah. guess 
it's like damage control and making sure that you know you you, you try not to as much as possible right next song a mm. song that makes you happy now you have gone for <laughs> don't worry be happy by Bobby McFerrin, you unoriginal motherfucker. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. Don't worry, be happy. I was gonna say, like, it is, it is the most basic choice, but like, seriously, have you? Have you listened to that song recently? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it is. It's, it's absolutely impossible to not feel chirpy. Like he's not, he's song. not, he's not wrong, is he? No, he's not. He's not wrong. Uh, you know, in I your mean, life, you're gonna have some trouble. When you yeah. worry, you make it double. Don't worry. You're like, yeah. Like every time I listen to that song, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. If I if I, if I worry, my trouble is gonna be double. Fucking bang on, Bobby. I'm, I'm yeah. going to not worry for the next 90 seconds until I completely forget that I listen to this. <laughs> Do you know it's, what I mean? It's all very well. Like, it seems like it's, you know, it's okay you're for... You're about to get repossessed. Your landlord's going to litigate. Fuck it. Aye, I mean... Yeah, not... we're all going to die at some point. Live in the present. <laughs> I know, but it seems like it's okay for trivial worries. And it's okay for even kind of quite big worries but then when when the shit really hits the fan like if you were if you were standing on the side of the road right and you've just knocked someone over because you've been drink driving and they're mangled up against your windshield yeah. if, if you're panicking and you're going my life is literally i'm going to prison i'm going to lose yeah. everything and fucking bobby mcferrin pops out I mean, on, yeah. the, on the lay-by and goes, hey, you know, if you, if you worry, you'll just make it dull. You fuck off, Bobby. Like, there's just some serious shit that's going down here. I don't need your whistling just now. Like, if you'd have built that scenario into one of the verses and then <laughs> at, at that point gone, actually worry, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're yeah. fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it just starts off the cheeriest song and then it just turns really, really dark at the end. Yeah, <laughs> just, just unravelling sort of doom-filled scenarios that actually... <laughs> Actually, you, you need to worry about pretty hard immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, start, it starts off with a guy that's just lost his keys. He's lost his car keys. <laughs> like, hey, don't worry, be happy. And then it ends with the same guy in prison having to survive yeah. by being anally raped by men every day. And he's going, yeah, time to worry, man. Time yeah, Bo Bobby McFerrin's like, Sir, nothing I can do here. Like, you're on your own, like, you fucking... <laughs> This is this is above my pay grade. Like, you, yeah. you do what you need to do to survive, all right? I'm out. Yeah. I, didn't write, I didn't write the song for this scenario. Also, why am I allowed in the prison to just walk about here and whistle away? So, from a happy song to a song that makes you sad, and you've gone for One Day Like This by Elbow. So basically, that was a song. It was one of my mum's favourite songs, and it was a song that like we played at her funeral and stuff like that. So right. basically, every time I hear that song, it's all wrapped up uh, with my mum. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it's it's one of those where like uh, I, I remember I was talking with Ashley Story in um, 
uh, Abattoir Bar, which is the, the performance bar in Edinburgh. And we, she, she'd sort of lost someone. And we were both talking about, like, you know, we were, t- we were talking about it, basically, because at that point, my mum had only died, like, a month before. <clears throat> and we were talking about it. And I remember she said, oh, you know, we were talking about signs and all that shit, which I say all that shit, but I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm on board with, with that side of it. But she goes, yeah, I just heard, like whatever relative it was of hers that died i just heard their song like and then and then like mum's song came on i was like oh fuck you're not gonna believe this but yeah that was that that was that song so so yeah every time every time i i hear that song i i always sort of think about my mom and yeah it kind of kind of throws me back and it's 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 sad but at the same time it's it's sort of nicely cathartic sometimes i think yeah when, it's when, nice. when you have a song like that yeah, it would be nice to have a song. And the fact that, I mean, if, if your mum loved it as well. I tell, I tell you what, though, like, we had a, a human celebrant because she, we had a humanist funeral. With uh, with that song, as, as I'm sure you know, there's like a three-minute instrumental at yeah. the end. <laughs> I, was, I was just going over it, and I, I was like, oh, shit, like, yeah, maybe maybe we just fade it out before yeah, everyone's yeah, 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 sitting yeah. there for three minutes while the strings keep crescendoing, you know. I mean, it's, I can fully understand why. I mean, even even without attaching any meaning to that song, I can understand why. Because it's got that kind of beauty of it, that song, that it's both a sad song, but also quite a, quite a triumphant song. song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one of the, like, because Elbow, I, I don't know much about Elbow. I've seen them live once, uh, and but they don't really need to do anything else. And it must be an incredible mm. feeling as a band to have written a song like that and go, well, that's it. I mean, that's we've now have a song that will be remembered forever. Yeah, as long as you're not contractually obliged to play it everywhere you fucking go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. A song that reminds you of a moment or place. Uh-huh. You've gone for Without Me by Eminem. It reminds me of, um, I went to Falaraki in 2010. So it's another, it's another holiday one. Mm-hmm. And it was, no, 2002. And um, it was another, it was one of those lads holidays. Cause obviously in the interim years, I had a fair few lads holidays, but this one was one of those ones where everything just went right. Like as soon as we got to the apartments, we, me and my two friends, we were out on our ground floor balcony and there were three lads. There was, no, there was two lads next door, like two northern lads. And we started, like, having a bit of a back and forth with them. And, and kind of they ended up, we all ended up hanging out the entire holiday. And uh, do you know when you're just like, oh, this is great already. This is, like, fantastic already. And, and, and it was just one of those where it was just a fucking everything you could want. Like, at the time, the World Cup was on as well. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were getting up at, like, nine in the morning to go and watch the football and spend some time by the pool and having a nap and then, you know, going out and doing the club thing and everything. But the first night, that song was everywhere. But I was so mashed because it was my birthday that I hadn't heard any of it. And one of my mates just kept saying over and over and over again, two trailer park girls go round the outside. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? And he wouldn't <laughs> tell me. 
<laughs> all day. It's just doing my nighting, just completely repeating it. And uh, <clears throat> and then I heard the song, obviously, that night, and then it was like massive, but it was everywhere. But yeah, every, it, it, that that's another song. It sort of throws me back there. Although it's an interesting one because my kids they have a song they like when i drop them to school in the morning they like believer by imagine dragons right yeah and so i put that on youtube the next song on the shuffle is without me and like so that that and that now has become you know that they know a lot of the words <laughs> although every time he says bitch i say hey all right i like i like it because it's, 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 it's a cleaner version oh it's a clean version yeah i see like yeah it's 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 a clean it's a clean version on YouTube, but there's, there's still uh, there's still the word bitch. So so he yells, and I always just remember to yell hey when um, when you know bitch. But uh, oh yeah, oh god, because on my shuffle when I don't put a song on YouTube, the songs just come out naturally and shuffle. Yeah, and um, I got forty five seconds into "Fuck the Pain Away" by Peaches nice. before I realised which song it was. Oh, <laughs> It's like, the kids were just sat in the back and it was like, sucking on my shoe, like straight <laughs> off. <laughs> I was like, why'd you stop that song, daddy? Oh, I, I don't like it. <laughs> we, uh, the only, the we of, uh, my, uh, my wee girl loves, uh, Shout Out to My Ex by Little Mix. And which yeah. is a fine, which is, is fine. But there is a bit where she says, she's talking about the girl he's going out with now. And she says, "I hope, I hope she's getting better sex." And ev- it's almost like a Pavlovian reaction now that whenever that's on, me or my wife will just do this huge cough. Yeah. So we're like, "I hope she's getting better." <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, like we've got the worst COVID in the world. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, I don't know what the fuck the kids are thinking. My my eldest came up to me the other day and said, uh, "Daddy, Daddy, I know the F word," oh. and I was like, "I steeled myself." And I was like, go on in. And she went, freaking. Oh, that, thank God. And she looked all sort of proud of herself and terrified at the same time. Like she was in Diana Jones and she just like picked up this crystal skull. Do you know what it's, I mean? I was like, yeah, that's the F word. It is one of the funniest things in the world when you hear your kids swear. It is. Oh my God. You cannot stop laughing. You see one of your kids scheming house mm. of cards style. Yeah. It's the other one. And you know it's wrong, but at the same time you're like, but don't necessarily lose that mindset for life. No, exactly you know I mean? no. Yeah. Like it, what what you're doing, I'm aware of it, right? And I'm aware that you're trying to get more lemonade than ever using nefarious means. However, right? Yeah, that, that's not good. But for the rest of the world, when you get older, just remember that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can't, you can't with with swearing as well. You can't make too much of a big deal out of it because oh, then they, that's then that's Leslie. I'm the worst. I'm like, I'm always dropping like whatever, and 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 I'm like every time Leslie reacts, I'm like, if you don't react, they will not notice. And yeah. I mean, yeah, it suits me, and I've, I've clearly I'm a hundred percent in the wrong, but I I just but it's got funny now because it's kind of like a win win because if I do accidentally swear, I just look at her and then it's on her not to react. So it's not really <laughs> yeah. fair. It's not, it's not really fair on her, but I, I turn it to be her fault, which <laughs> which I've also admitted and I'm aware of. Right, uh, from one of uh, the most influential white rappers in history to his uh, predecessor uh, mm. for karaoke song you have gone for Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice 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 Baby Ice Ice Baby 
when I was in the cover band, I, I can't sing, but when I was in the cover band, it, it becomes work. So the mm. other two, the other two members of the band were like, well, you've got to fucking sing some songs. I'm like, I can't sing. So, all right, let's do some rap numbers then. And uh, so I ended up doing a couple of rap songs. I did uh, Don't Stop by Junior Senior and I did um, Scooby Snacks by Fun Loving Criminals. Nice. And, uh, Ice Ice Baby. And it, 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 it absolutely like brought the version we did absolutely destroyed anywhere we ever played. Oh, really? And I think the other two guys were kind of gutted that I had this like barnstormer in me. So I, I performed it like so many times that with karaoke, you want a song where you're not going to have to look at the screen once. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and that's the that's the song for me and it, in spite of how dreadful it is like the guy wrote it when he was 12 or something like that and, and none of it really makes any kind of sense but it, it still kills it's he, still he wrote it when he was 12 something like that he was Jesus. literally at 13 when he wrote those lyrics and if you examine them with a, any level of scrutiny you kind of like all right yeah i can see that was his name robert van winkle it's something like that's that. his real name yeah. I, yeah and you know he was on something like the celebrity farm about 12 years ago <laughs> And I remember Paul, Paul Daniels um, did this wonderful old school, old man way of uh, putting, it, putting him down where Vanilla Ice was kicking off about something over breakfast. And, and Paul Daniels just started going, ah, 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 ah. and Vanilla Ice is like, hey, what are you doing, man? And Paul Daniels was like, and that's what you sound like. Do you know that kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that kind of proper dad fucking? Yeah. Oh, but, but but how do you come back from that? It's shit, but it's effective. You're just like, oh, mm. I just remember Paul Daniels putting him in his place. Bless, bless him. Yeah. Have you seen that interview uh, with Arsenio Hall? Oh my no. god! Like when you have a second YouTube, it um, it's when Vanilla Ice was sort of at the, the, the peak of his fame that like nine to 12 month period in the early 90s mm -hmm. and um at the time he was being lambasted for like just stealing from black culture and stuff and he he, he went on the arsenio show and he brought flavor flavor pretty much just to show that he knew flavor flavor and arsenio just goes in on him and it is excruciating and oh wow vanilla rice is so out of his depth but yeah it's worth, it's worth watching i read about what m&m's thoughts were on him and Eminem was kind of saying that when he when he first heard it he, he felt like he just didn't want to do rap anymore because he was oh. just like this guy has now just made this so much more difficult for me because um, yeah. it's kind of like I, I was thinking about it as kind of like you know when you're you know when you're on a club and you're going on after someone that is utter shit but utter yeah. fucking hack shit yeah, yeah. and you go ah, this isn't what I want comedy to be like, I, I, is... I don't want to get the same laughs from those people that that guy's getting with this exactly yeah. yeah 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 totally. I, it's it's disgusting totally get that next song uh you have gone for which is both your best cover song and the best live song you've ever seen uh live and let die by guns and roses I mean, the original's great, but, but there's something about Axl Rose's vocals on that song 
Like, um, Anae was trying to, my oldest Anae was trying to, she was saying to me, what, you know, I was like, what kind of music do you like? And she likes sort of, she seems to like at the moment quite emotive, like rock stuff. I think she watches a lot of Minecraft videos mm -hmm. and they've got that kind of, um, oh, what's that shit band that's always getting slagged by everybody? This could be so many bands. No, it could. Rock band. Oh, Nickelback. What's it? Yes, it's got that sort of Nickelback. A lot of the music's got that Nickelback feeling. Well done, by the way. That was, oh, that was a fucking blind dart thrown, hitting a bullseye. Um, and then I was like, oh, I know what you're going to like. And I, I played uh, I played the Guns N' Roses version of Living Let Die like really loud in my car. And I looked at her and she had eyes like saucers. And she was just like, Daddy, I love that. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, I saw it live. The first concert I went to... Uh, was Guns N' Roses in 1992 and they were supported by Faith No More and Soundgarden. Jesus. And just when I saw when I saw them play that one live, that was just... Stunning. Where was this? That was Wembley, 92. Oh, yeah, it was God. phenomenal. I, so I, I, like... I, don't, I don't think I fully appreciated it, but I got quite... I got, I got into um, Faith No More immediately afterwards and then Soundgarden a little bit later. So, I mean, that's proper... Like that's that's good Guns and Roses. Like that's 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 Axel. Yeah. At his absolute peak rather than Axel where he looks like your auntie later on, you know, like proper fat. Yeah. Arrogant. Well, he'd still be arrogant, but at least he fucking he could he could live up to it. But that's amazing. Well, yeah. Because that that would just after Use Your Illusion came out as well. Yeah, exactly. That was the that was the Use Your Illusion tour, I think. Next song, your guilty pleasure, um, and you've gone for Right Side Fred. Shirt, too sexy for my shirt, so sexy it hurts. And I am too sexy for Milan, too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. I I know because we've talked about this that you're with me on this one. Mm -hmm. I I, do. I bought I... the fucking album, and for some reason. Like when the when the uh, I'm Too Sexy came out, I bought the album up, uh -huh. and it's just one of those things. For some reason, like I mean, the the, the the songs are what they are, but for some reason, it sort of really stuck with me at that time. And every time I hear one of those songs now, like well, you never hear any of the fucking album songs, do you? Obviously, no, no. But but you know, if if you occasionally you hear like Deeply Dippy or I'm Too Sexy, that's a, that's another sort of. Right, slap bang in the middle of an era for me. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. It's I I I, th I still think Deeply Dippy's a great song. Like I, I wouldn't be ashamed to put that on. Like I think it's a great great song. You would be ashamed to put it on. I wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't. No. You wouldn't. I bet no. you would. What well, anywhere? Well, maybe not anywhere. Anywhere. Like I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't. You go to you go to a pub in Leith and just whack down the jukebox and just turn around and stare everyone down. With See, you. I think I think you'd, I think you'd get away with it. I think you'd, if you if you if you balls it out, you'd get away with it. Like I wouldn't have that. At, I wouldn't have that at my mum's yeah, funeral. You'd get away with it because people would think you were mental. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> people wouldn't attack you because they'd be yeah. like, "Fucking hell!" I don't know. I don't know what that guy is capable of. But if you're gonna do that, you've clearly been through like some situations elsewhere. We used to do a thing, um, me and my friends, years ago, we used to go out on Christmas Eve uh, back in Dumfries. Every single Christmas Eve, we'd go out and we'd just tour all the pubs. And there was one pub that had a jukebox machine and it had 
one of the original, the best Christmas album in the world ever, but it still had Gary Glitter's Christmas song on it. Oh, so we used amazing. to we used to pump about a tenor into the <laughs> and just play it on repeat, and it was it was unbelievable watching the reaction because when it first came on, you had people because it's still a good song. Yeah. And you, you first had people could have gone, oh, there's that Gary Glitter song, oh, fucking wrong in him. And then the second they'd go, oh, look, it's come on again. And see, by the fifth time it comes on, people are furious. And That's we were so just funny. sat at the bar pissing ourselves off. But they must have known it was you. But probably, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we were the only people laughing and the only people I've put any money in the machine, so. At what point do you cut your losses and fuck off there? Because every time after that, it's going to get funnier. But how yeah. many times after that is it when the Inquisition starts? Exactly. It's, uh, yeah, you've got to time it very, very well. How long, how long did you stick around for? I think we've done, I think we've done it. Because we would do it every year. And I think, <laughs> I think we've, we've had about six plays of it. And, uh, and at that point, we just need to... And the thing is, because it's normally during the day... There's maybe about another five people in as well, so it's not even like it's not. There's not even a lot of bustle that you can cover it. <laughs> you'd have to, to probably beg me it, wouldn't you? You'd have to turn around from that bar and be like, "Right, Lawrence, oh, yeah. leaving." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was my first wedding dance. We're listening to it. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, right. Next song um, is your your hidden gem. But you've gone for a song uh, that by a very, very famous band uh, that we both love, but m- might not know. Uh, you've gone for Eggman by the Beastie Boys. I looked out the window, seeing this bull head. Ran through the bridge and pulled out an egg. Scoped over my scopes, he had no hair. Lost that shot, he was caught out there. Saw the convertible driving by. Loaded up the slingshot, let one fly. He went for his to find, he didn't have one. Put him in check for wreck. My egg to egg. A simple that's um, the first track on Paul's Boutique, which has always been my favourite Beastie Boys album. And I, I listened to their kind of audio book that they did. They did like this audio book, audio, autobiography type thing, which wasn't quite either, but wasn't quite anything else. It's like 10 hours long. It's all about the history. It's great. But what I was really interested to, to find out is that they don't rate Paul's Boutique. They they feel like they compromise some of their values in making the album. They feel like it doesn't really hold together and it wasn't what they wanted. And they're a little bit, you know, they're not quite as happy with it. They're a little bit ashamed with it. And, yeah. and it was so interesting for me because when I first heard that, I hadn't heard anything like it. And I just loved it immediately. And it's one of those cassettes that I played to death. And what I really loved about Eggman is when I was learning the drums, I'd look for songs that had interesting drum patterns that I could sort of copy and play along to. And and that's got a really nice sort of skippy, interesting drum pattern. And it's also, it, it's that typical Beastie Boys irony, isn't it? Like a gangster rap song about throwing eggs at people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. D- d- deliver with 100% commitment. I, I looked out the window, seen his bald head, ran to the fridge and pulled out an egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. What I love so much about the Beastie Boys is you can you can take a Beastie Boys album and you could make a playlist from the samples they use on each song. Yeah. Like there are so many. Like that like looking through your playlist, like there's so many songs here that contain sampling. Mm. Like even even like even like Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Has got under pressure on it. But I, I just yeah. love that. And and the Eggman especially, it it's got um it starts off with a riff from uh, Superfly. And then it ends with a kind of mashup between the Jaws theme tune and the Psycho theme tune. Yeah. It's awesome. Have you seen the breakdown of the Prodigy and the way that they use samples with their no. songs and the way 
he so so basically there's a video out there somewhere where you'll hear the original sample and then you'll literally like see on the screen the, the um computer that what they do and you'll see how they'll take a sound uh liam will take a sound and then they'll squash it and they'll speed it up and then they'll change it and and you go from this sound which is a sample from a song until you get to this sound that you recognize from a prodigy song oh, cool. it's, it's completely unrecognizable it's absolutely been through the ringer and come out the side something else and it's it's yeah it's absolutely fascinating it takes a special kind of brain because i know i've seen a thing about a uh, daft punk with a with the start of around the world and uh, they basically took a song but then just flipped it so it plays backwards so you can kind of recognize it as that at the start and then they play it backwards and just just the just the kind of brain to have that kind of idea mm. to go i know what we need we need that song but backwards yeah i mean how much is is you they actually hear it backwards and how much yeah. is it them going Let's just fuck about and yeah, see what happens. Yeah, kind of trial and error and just yeah. shit at the wall. Yeah, I mm. suppose. Um, and speaking of uh, The Prodigy, uh, your next choice is just free and open, one of your favourite songs, uh, and you've gone for No Good, Start a Dance by The Prodigy. songs still absolutely hold up they they are not dated at all in my opinion well i, I mean I'm, fuck they might be but they don't sound dated to me you know what i mean they still work and the thing i love about the prodigy is that energy the energy that comes through sort of the music and the way it's 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 just been made with so much whatever fucking venom anger commitment like it just really all of that feeling and vibe is just sort of packaged yeah. via all these fuck with samples and yeah it just yeah and that that song in particular the the, the structure of it everything i absolutely love it that's the one i, I, I didn't see that many people live but they're, they're the people that I'd, 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 I'd have really wanted to they're the ones that i would have made an effort yeah had i known that yeah. to go and see at some point last song on the album milo uh taking us out last drink at the pub last song at the party you have gone for Bob O'Reilly by The Who that was that was like musical orgasm time for me and again, I'd never had one. That was another, oh, look at the power of music. I was I was really at the hoop. Like the, the whole reason I started, I, when I started drumming, we just got MTV. We had like that really basic version of Sky that people mm -hmm. had in the uh, beginning of the 90s. And uh, I'd watch Keith Moon and I'd be like, that's the kind of drummer I want to be like. I want, yeah. I want to be like that guy, like a showman drummer. I sort of started buying these albums and, and, and listening to old songs and I got that I found a vinyl in Kingston Market I think the album is Who's Next and mm -hmm. um, I got back put it on the turntable put my headphones on and that's the first song on the first side and I, I literally felt myself go through the motions of having an orgasm of um, like a musical orgasm you know that like 
build up in your chest and your skin starts like tingling and and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger as, as it sort of piles up towards the end yeah and i was just like yeah fucking absolute absolutely like, i couldn't listen to any more songs after that I had, to, I had to take a break for a bit i was like wow that fucking kicked me right in the chest that one that was amazing it's a great song. And, I, and again, what the fuck's it about? Like, I don't, I don't even know what it's about. It's, it, it's part, it could be part of some conceptual opera, rock opera mm-hmm. that Pete Townsend wrote that never got mm-hmm. made. I think, I think it is. It's something like that, isn't it? But yeah, that's. I, I always there's two bits. The mad paedophile it is. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come on to that in two seconds. <laughs> there's two bits that I love when Pete Townsend comes in, and uh, starts the teenage wasteland bit. Uh, where he kind of goes like, yeah. don't cry, don't, and I, I love that bit. And then when Daltrey comes back in and just yells Teenage Wastelands, I'm like, that. this is a fucking song. Man. Yeah, this is, 100%. This is unbelievable. So, I mean, talking about, because it's one subject that I am fascinated with, is the idea that you can separate artists from the, their art from their behaviour. Mm. And obviously, Pete Townsend was, well... He'd, he'd been found, he'd been searching certain s- topics. I remember uh, being, because I was a fan, being very defensive of him at the time because in my mind it was like, oh, he's researching, he was a victim of it. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, and, and just having this sort of blind allegiance because I was such a fan of their music. But then if you give it some sort of independent critical thought, like... He's gone on these sites and he's put his credit card details yeah. in to, to like that's that's the, the point and I I don't know how much you go oh like what what what, what is that just naivety no I don't think nah, Pete Townsend it's... is a naive person nah. like what like, I yeah like like yeah it it doesn't I mean, it I doesn't think... stand up to any level of scrutiny and if if that had happened or come out now oh god then, yeah 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 he'd be yeah. he'd be completely i mean the 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 research excuses like you can what the fuck were you researching what was this going to yeah. be the net was this going to be your next rock opera but that was tommy like he was he was he was interfered with that was like part of the storyline i'm your wicked uncle ernie and you won't hear or see me as i fiddle about fiddle about fiddle about I mean, the clues are kind of there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Are you are you one of these people? I imagine you are that can separate. You can separate the idea of an artist's behaviour and I still go. Do yeah. you know what? I can still appreciate the incredible music, the incredible film, the incredible book that they have mm-hmm. created. I think it, it depends uh, as a person how self-absorbed you are mm-hmm. and how principled you are. Because, like, if you're just going to hear music and enjoy it and not attach any politics to it, then that's what you're going to do. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you have a sort of strong moral compass, then then obviously it's going to be different. Personally, I think it's, it's contextual. I think it depends on what the person did, who they are, and large part of it, uh, how good their shit was. It's three scales that sort of have to all work with each other because really like there's nothing gary glitter could have written that would stand up compared to do, do you know what i mean he mm-hmm. could have written the the best the best song that that's ever been written by anyone yeah and it it, it still wouldn't stand up 
yeah, it's been overshadowed by yeah, 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 completely. So it, yeah. I think it, it does depend on the person, what they've done, and 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 all kinds of things. Like, what what about you? What do you think? Um, I I can uh, look beyond because I I think I'm able to make the distinction and I'm able to separate the person that created something and the person's behaviour. Um, because I I see the not to get all wanky about it. I see the the piece of art. As being separate from the person that created it now, it, even it's, even lost profits. Well, see again, I suppose it, if you're again, we are again. You're talking about levels because that's like the most horrific thing you can imagine. Um, and again, it is like they don't they don't have that they don't have that back catalogue. Not to make not to be glib about it, like they don't they don't have anything. But then mm. you kind of go if if the allegations against Michael Jackson were true. Um, you know, like the, the, the people are. Pe- I think people, like you say, would be more widely able to forget stuff. What if what, they've created what would, some cracking shit? What would Liam Gallagher have to do to get you to never listen to Oasis ever again? Uh, oh, th- th- there's nothing. Like I could, I could walk in to find Liam Gallagher smothering both of my kids, and I'd still whack definitely, <laughs> definitely, maybe on. And I mean. If anything, I'd be honoured to have him in my house. Uh, <laughs> the one, <laughs> tell you what, I don't. I tell you what, forget about Townsend. Fucking Daltrey's become a Brexiteer Tory farmer bastard. Oh, I find that a God. lot harder to forget than anything that Townsend's done. Yeah, like Leiden as well. It's pretty right wing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. The, aye, aye, aye. Do people just get more right wing as they get older? I imagine so. I mean, that that's the kind of that's the belief because. Yeah. I, I mean, like, imagine the more shit you get and the more shit you own, the more you will want to protect and maintain that and get more. So yeah. it, it, it's natural that people would start to drift towards a kind of Tory right-wing mindset as they get older because you, you, you don't, as a young person and a young kind of firebrand protesting against everything, mm. you don't actually have that much to lose. No, of course. But, I mean, personally, like... I don't think I could have any amount of money or property or be the recipient of any wonderful tax breaks if it, I still couldn't vote for, like, Boris. Yeah, you know no, I mean? no, me neither. Like, there's just something so horrendously insipid and Machiavellian about me that offends me on so many levels. Yeah. That, that you know, I would lose money yeah. to, 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 to not back that guy and yeah. I'd be totally fine with it. I also like to think I would get to a stage where, like, in my my mind, I've got an idea of how much money would be enough. Mm. But they'll get to a stage where... It never fucking works like that. You know, you've done comedy. No, I know that. I know that. But, like, I don't know. Do you you think it becomes where where you're a billionaire? Yeah. Do you think think the, the desire to gain that second billion is there? Because if you're a billionaire, yeah, it would be... Nigh on impossible to spend a billion. Yeah. Like, you could have the greatest life possible and you well, would still struggle. Wait, here's the thing, right? What the fuck? We're married and we've got kids. What the fuck am I going to spend money on? I'm not going to... Exactly. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to buy clothes, right? I'm not I'm not asked about cars. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've, I've got a house I'm pretty happy with. I, do, what, what, do, I know it sounds like... It's just lovely not to have to worry about it. Yeah. Like... I, I don't know what I'd spend it on. I've got what, what to buy the old fucking video game or 
you know, I, I don't know. It would be on like holidays, wouldn't it, with your family or whatever? It would, but then when you actually start to price up, I mean, you could go on, you could go on a the most lavish holiday every single two weeks for about ten years, and still not even come close to spending a billion pounds. And also, they'd suck. Exactly, it was so yeah. fucking. You, yeah. you end up hating. You yeah. all that downtime. You go fucking yeah. mental. Yeah, you might imagine going to like the t- Tonga or Papua New Guinea and going, "Oh fucking this fucking place again." <laughs> yeah. oh, Jesus. I know. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, Milo, uh, we've come to the end of the playlist. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, for nice pleasure. You've been talking great. music with you and talking all all sorts of other stuff. See you later, brother. Love you. And that's that. Episode 2 done. Thanks so much to Milo McCabe for being a cracking guest. Go on and follow Milo on all the social media stuff. I'll put all his details up on the description of the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at PerfectPlayPod. So go and do that. If you have enjoyed the episode, it would be amazing if you could please leave us a review on iTunes. If you could give us a five-star rating, that would be even better. Even better than that, if you could tell your friends that enjoy music, that enjoy comedy, that enjoy chats with comedians about music, then please tell them so we can get the word of mouth spread about this podcast and get it bigger and as big as I want it to be. I'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I will leave you with the words of the Guns N' Roses frontman, Axl Rose, who once said, Life sucks, but in a beautiful kind of way. See you next week. Bye-bye.